Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the V1 Church Podcast. We are in episode two of No Turning Back. And I'm just going to tell you, the altars were completely full at both locations at the conclusion of this message, if that gives you any idea of what happened. So without further ado, I want you to lean in, take notes, learn, grow with us. This message is for you if you feel like you're in between miracles right now. I'm telling you, it's going to be a good one. Part two. To shut up shame. Well, come on, Queens. Can you put your hands together for everyone who's visiting today? Can I tell you a quick testimony that I thought was so cool? So we had a race that's happening on outside. And, you know, as a pastor, I was worried because it was going to be harder to get here. And, and, you know, we're just trying to remove all barriers because how many of you know getting to church is way harder than getting to the club? It's like there's never traffic to the club. <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? There's no friction between you and Jack Daniels, but you and Jesus Christ is going to be harder. You know what I'm trying to say? Am I right? Wasn't it so much easier to sin? People are like, how did you get in that adulterous relationship? I don't know. It just happened. How did you get to church? I couldn't. <laughs> okay, it's too real. <laughs> I, I always freak out people who've never been to a church like ours. They're like, my priests never talk like that. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I love, love this or hate it. But you know what happened last service? Two things. One, there were three people who were working that race. Thank you so much, son. There were three people who were working that race outside, got cold, wanted to come into the movie theater to warm up, but didn't know they were on a divine appointment with God, and they stayed for the entire service. Isn't that amazing? And then I just want to give props to my, my girl, Sherry. I just met her. It was her third week coming to V1 Church this week. And how many of you know, by your third week, you're just family now. You come three times in a row, and if you go missing, we're, we're coming for you. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. You remember that? So Sherry, it was Sherry's third time. And she was like, I want to try the 9 a.m. service because she was like, I, I just felt like it'd be easier for me. And she said that it took her 30 minutes to get through all the barricades and traffic to come to church. And, you know, it's funny because people tell me all the time, oh, New York doesn't want to go to church. These people don't care. How many of you know that people are so hungry right here that they will spend 30 minutes trying to get into this space? I remember a story in the Bible. We don't have time for it because I got to preach to you and my sermon's only two hours. But... Um, where, where there was such a desperation for a healing from Jesus that their friends ripped the roof apart and lowered their friend in. And God is always going to heal hungry people. And I told Sherry, I said, Sherry, I love your faith, and I believe God's doing something in your life. And so I'm going to preach to you today out of Joshua chapter 5. How, wave to me if you heard part one of this series. Oh, man, no turning back. We had some powerful things happen. So while you turn to your Bibles, um, all the real Christians have physical Bibles. All the Gentiles have digital Bibles. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Uh, Joshua chapter 5. Um, it was, yeah, Joshua chapter 5. I could talk to you guys forever. I want to tell you so much that's not in my notes, but that's the devil. I got, I got too much to preach to joke with you for too long. But uh, Joshua chapter 5, while you guys, and you can follow along the screen. Hey, before I do that, though, can I give you guys some testimonies that happened from last week's sermon? 
Can I tell you what happened? Now, first of all, if God's doing something in your life through these services, we want to hear about it. Some of our best stories, we just hear them six months later. So if you go on Instagram and you could hit me up at Mike Signorelli underscore or the church at V1 New York. And uh, here's some of the DMs we got as a result of last week's message. It said this. uh, Let me find it. Oh, this one is so funny. I'm in Australia. We had somebody listening from Australia. I was going to do it in an Australian accent, but I'm really bad at accents. (laughs) Somebody said do it. It's so tempting. I know. Um, I'm in Australia on a public transport, which I think means train, and had to cover my face with one hand and try not to man cry. Halfway through, something broke when you said your father, your grandfather may not have succeeded, but you will. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it amazing that what's happening here in this space in Queens is actually getting all the way to Australia? Isn't that amazing? He hit me up last night to say, hello from um, your Sunday, because, you know, they're, they're like almost a day ahead. And he was like, I'm in Sunday, and it's awesome. It's going to be awesome for V1. Here's another testimony. I live in San Antonio, Texas. What up to my family in Texas? Uh, never met this woman before in my life, but she said, I, pray, I watched the message, and I prayed for a turnaround, no turning back, and I'm not giving up. I'm all in this time. Isn't that amazing? She is a single mom in San Antonio, Texas, and she said that message helped her. Um, actually just go all in. Let me skip ahead for the sake of time. This one, we got any married people in the house? Oh man, people said that like they like being married. You're like, yeah. I've said that before at our Long Island location and and you could tell people need help in their marriages because they're like, any married people like, eh? (laughs) Any people who want to be married? Okay, look around, look around, look around. Look around. Put the house lights up. (laughs) we've had so many people uh, get connected. I was going to say hook up, but that means something different. (laughs) It used to not mean what it means, but times change, right, Boomer? (laughs) See, I'm just having fun now. Um, This one says, the Holy Spirit told me. Now, you know this is from God. You know you're hearing from God when he tells you to do something you don't want to do. When God's like, God told me to leave this church. No, your flesh told you to leave the church. The Holy Spirit says, submit. Uh, The Holy Spirit told me to love my spouse unconditionally and to forgive him as a result of hearing that message. Isn't that insane? I know that's God. And then this last one I wanted to read. Did you all see that moment on the broad, from the broadcast where I was talking about God wanting to deliver people from um, eating disorders? I don't know if anyone saw that. But I had prophesied that God was going to heal people from eating disorders. And while I was saying it from the stage, uh, one of our, and when it happened on video, so I'm just going to say it. One of our worship leaders started weeping and getting deliverance on the stage. And so then it was going into the preaching transition. And I just told the church, hey, right now we're just about God's business. Like we're not about a, a neat clean little service like God's setting her free everyone pray for AK and she got deliverance and was crying well as that broadcast went out I got a message that said I've been addicted to fast food and have been struggling the most I've ever struggled in my life with binge eating I finally admitted it last night and then prophetically you spoke it today for my freedom thank you pastor isn't that amazing man somebody say no turning back series has been off the charts so if you got a testimony hit us up at v1 church or mike signorelli on i'll say instagram but let me read to you joshua chapter five you guys follow along on the screen you ready for the reading of the word okay 
As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Now that will preach if you know what God's trying to communicate to you. Can I read the Bible to you the way I read the Bible? Because there was so much truth and so much revelation in this, but sometimes you got to learn how to unpack it. Are you guys with me? We do a little Bible study together. So as soon as all the kings, let's start with the word kings. What, what is a king? A king is a ruler in a high place. Somebody know where I'm going. A king is somebody with a lot of influence, a lot of power. Do you know what I'm talking There is a king. So as soon as the thing or the person with a lot of power. Now, who's the Amorites? The Amorites are a people who are against the people of God or the people of Israel. So let me just unpack it a little bit further. As the person or the thing that was set up against the people of God heard about the miracle that God just did. Oh, some of you don't hear, you don't hear me getting ready to preach yet. It says that when they heard the miracle that God did, it says their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Let me just explain it and break it down. Can somebody say preach it, preacher? You know what I want to happen? I want to inflict the demonic armies that have been assigned to your life in this region to have their morale at an all-time low. I want to inflict depression on the spirit of depression. Oh, you don't hear me today. I want to give anxiety anxiety. Oh, you don't hear me today. Isn't it about time we start serving up the devil's own meat and food to him too? In about time, we're the devil walking around Queens like this. I don't even want to be in the devil's army anymore. Ever since that, that church was planted in Queens, I just say, I can't, I keep tempting them the way I used to tempt them. I don't even want to do this anymore. Wouldn't you love it if the devil started going AWOL in Queens? Isn't it about time that we start giving depression depression? That's what I'm talking about. So you see, here's the thing. The devil didn't uh, invent nothing. He just perverts it. That's a revelation. Why does depression exist? Because it's a weapon for our warfare. Morale is at an all-time low in the devil's kingdom ever since this church showed up in Queens. I don't even want to be a demon anymore. I can't win anymore in Queens because V1 showed up and God showed off. Mm. That's what it's saying. The miracle occurred, and then them hearing about the miracle said, oh, snap. It said their heart melted within them. It's another way of saying that their morale was at all time. Well, that's how I read the Bible, okay? And then it says this. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, okay, here's where it gets real good. You ready for this? This is going to be next week's program. <laughs> Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Woo, amen. How? Now, if you've been here through the summer till now, you're like, this church talks about circumcision more than any church I have ever been to in my life. But how many of you know the Bible talks about circumcision a lot? And for those of you who don't know what circumcision is, come on, let's play this video. <laughs> Somebody wants that video. I rebuke you. you, you you're going to get deliverance from a spirit of perversion today. Somebody wanted to watch that. The devil is a liar. <laughs> 
make flint knives and circumcise the son of, sons of Israel second time. So Joshua, he did, so Joshua did it. So Joshua did it and circumcised the sons of Israel. Now here's the deal. You are not going to get your next assignment until you're obedient to the last one. See, some of you are praying for a new word, and God says, I'm going to give you a new word when you finally get with the old word. <laughs> see, see, sometimes the greatest revelation that you'll get in life is obedience to the last season's word because you didn't get the richness and the fullness of that revelation because you didn't obey it fully. And you know how I know that? Because I got my calves built up real big in the spiritual realm circling around the same mountain for years and years. And I finally learned some things. Finally learned some things. Make flint knives and circumcise his sons. Let me keep reading. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. This is the reason. Think about what this has to do with you. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had came out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet... All the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, somebody say all the nation. Here's how we'd say it where I'm from, everybody. You want to try that? Everybody. Trying to make you cool. Come on now. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that they would, he would not let them into the, the land. Let me skip down. For they were uncircumcised, this next generation, because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, the whole nation, that's nasty. When the, was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, now let, me, let, me, let me hold back on that. So here's what it means, essentially. You have the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God, under Pharaoh in slavery in Egypt. Every single person here has the shame of their past, the present impossibility, and then the hope of the promise of the future. And God is always trying to move us out of the shame, through the pain, into the promise. That's your destiny, okay? And I don't know what your shame is. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your family struggles with. It probably is a lot like what my family struggles with. But God will call you out of the shame of the past. But then you will also face the pain of a present impossibility. If you think sin is hard, try walking in your purpose. It's always going to be one impossibility that you're going to need God for. God will never allow you to have a destiny that excludes his miraculous hand. And so if you're like, man, this is crazy. I just want to go back to Egypt. This is hard. Well, guess what? Fulfilling your destiny is supposed to be hard because God will always keep it a little bit outside your reach to prove that you're not him. For real. For real. And that's really tough for people like me who like to take care of themselves. I'll do it myself, God. And God's like, okay, then you won't get there. You'll stay here in the wilderness. But see, there was this shame that they were dealing with. And Joshua, see, Joshua was different than Moses. Moses was always trying to appease the people. But see, if you live for their praise, you'll die by their criticism. Aren't you thankful for leaders who don't listen to the criticism but obey the voice of the Lord? See, Joshua was different. 
Joshua wasn't worried about placating people's feelings. He said, I want the approval of God more than I want the approval of man. Therefore, I'm going into the promise. If you're a people pleaser here today, can I just tell you, the more you come into oneness with the Spirit of God, the more he downloads your destiny and downloads your DNA and calls you son and daughter, the less you're going to live for the approval of people and the more you're going to start coming into communion with him. But see, shame has a sound. You know what shame sounds like? Can I tell you? Because this, this sermon is a little late in the game to announce it, but the title of this message is Shut Up, Shame. Because there's a shame that we have. You know what shame sounds like? And I think this is a very deep reading of this passage. But shame sounds like your best is not good enough, therefore you can't have the promise. The voice of God is your best isn't good enough, therefore you need Jesus, and I'm going to get you to the promise. It's a different narrative. You do your part, and I do my part. You stand at the River Jordan and you bring my presence into the impossibility and then I'll roll back the waters. I'm gonna co-labor with you, but I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be the one who does the miracle. People all the time are like, Pastor Mike, why do you pray with people with such confidence? And I tell them, because I'm not the healer, he's the healer. It's up to him what happens. I'm just gonna be an obedient, willing vessel. I'm the conduit. You know what I'm saying? I'm the light switch, he's the electricity. Light him up, God, that's what I say. But here's the thing. They're standing in this in-between. Have you ever been in an in-between? Some of you are in in-between right now. You're not with that joker you used to be, but you haven't met that guy that you want yet. You know the guy who, like, parks the car and lets you walk into church while he goes and parks it? We got one of those in this congregation. I've seen that happen today. But see, when there's a generational gap like there was in, in, this, in this era of Israel, you have all the men of war have died in the wilderness. And now you have this new generation that, that rose up, but they don't really know how to be what they're supposed to be. That's deep. That's deep. We've got a nation full of men in this country because a generational gap, they don't know how to be what they're supposed to be fatherless men who are saying, I want to be a good dad, but I never seen one before. I want to be a good husband, but I never seen one before. Come on, does somebody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes there's this generational gap where we're like, man, the only leaders I've ever seen in the church exploited the money, exploited sexuality, exploited all of our resources, used us until we burnt out. I want to be a good pastor. I don't know how to be a good pastor. Does anyone know what I'm talking about today? And this is where, in where Israel was as a nation. You had all these men who are like, Joshua, we'll go with you, man. We'll fight. We'll, we'll go into Canaan. But we don't know how to be what we're supposed to be because the last generation lost their identity in the wilderness. And see, there's two things that Israel should have been doing. As a nation, they should have been celebrating Passover. But see, the ritual of Passover had been forgotten in the wilderness. See, sometimes when you're in a place of confusion, you can lose the rituals that keep you sane. Do you know if you want to break someone's brain, do you know how you do it? Take away their rituals. When you put someone in solitary confinement and they lose all sense of rhythm and ritual, you break their brain. Don't you know it's the plot of the enemy to try to remove you from the ritual of Sunday church? It's funny because Kanye accepts Christ, the first thing he does is Sunday services. <laughs> There's something in the spiritual realm that happens when you have healthy rituals in your life. Taking showers, one of them. Let me just tell you. Praise God. I'm serious, but there's rituals. For me, it's a cup of coffee. Caffeine's the largest unregulated drug in the U.S., and I'm a user. 
But what, (laughs) I'm going to get deliverance one of these days. Maybe it's today. But see, what happens is the nation of Israel, they lost their ritual for Passover. So they were just caught in this void. See, one of the healthiest things you can do is set up a ritual for your life. Go to a connect group, sign up. Every two weeks, it's going to meet again. You show up there, you grow, you learn. Come to Sunday, you show up. Go to the gym, praise God, pray for your pastor. I'm going. Just because I don't post it on Instagram doesn't mean I'm not there. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, then, but then there's another thing that they stop doing. They stop circumcising their males. Now, for us, you're just like, what's the big deal? Because we know that circumcision isn't a requirement. We know that we're not under the law. So I certainly don't want you to make a doctor's appointment this week if, if you're not. And I know it's getting weird, but can I give you the revelation of it? To circumcise a male was to make a permanent decision that would have eternal consequences. Once that skin was removed, okay, just go there with me. There was no way to reattach it. It was a permanent decision, a permanent decision. And it was a covenantial decision, which meant when blood was spilled and that, and that action was completed, it was saying, by doing this thing, I am showing that I am permanently connected and attached to God through covenantial relationship. And see, it's very difficult for us to understand that because even our best contracts in America, we can get out of them. And even, and, and so I said this before, I'm going to say it again. I used to teach high school English. And when you read Shakespeare, you will never see the man and the woman go through the wedding vows because even just as recently as Elizabethan times, to say the vows would have made them true because their words meant that much. Isn't that crazy? And so Shakespeare didn't even write the wedding vows into his, into his plays because to have two actors say those words, even as recently as Elizabethan times, would have made them for real married. Isn't that crazy? Their words went that, meant that much. After my first date with Julie, I took her home and she said, all right, love you, goodbye. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it was like a reflex. You know, she just, I don't know why she said it. It ended up being true, praise God. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it then, but, but you know, we get to this place where our words don't mean what they should. We don't understand covenantial relationship. We don't understand making permanent decisions. But see, in order, okay, now watch. Now I'm getting ready to preach, okay? You guys still with me? How many of you know the story of Jericho? How many Christians we got in this house? You know Jericho? Man, we only got 20% of hands. We must be leading all kinds of people to Jesus here in this church. So there's this story in the Bible, <laughs> where they march around Jericho's walls. And as they're marching around Jericho's walls and worshiping, how many times they get around those walls? Seven times, then what happened? The walls came down. So there's this fortified city which represented Joshua's first major assignment. It was going to be the first battle. Now, where they're standing right now is they are on this hill, and guess what they can see from this hill? They can see Jericho. And as they're looking into Jericho, they're thinking, we're men of war. What do men of war do? They fight battles, right? But see, the way that God has us to fight battles doesn't look like the way that other people fight battles. And it's funny to me that many of you know the story of them marching around Jericho's walls, but you didn't know that they just got circumcised days previously. You didn't know that the circumcision was necessary because until there was a circumcision, the walls weren't going to come down. And what was their first victory could have been their first defeat. 
Does anyone hear me today? What does this mean? What does this mean? Let me read this last line to you. After the circumcision was complete, the Lord said to Joshua, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of this place is called Gilgal to that day. Welcome to Gilgal, V1 Queens. Welcome to Gilgal. See, these men of war were saying, oh, I love being under Joshua's leadership. He's so much different than Moses. What a refreshing leadership to be under. And then all of a sudden, Joshua says, you guys get ready for Jericho. Do you see that down there? Do you see one of our greatest victories getting ready? Do you see how God's going to cause these walls to come down? We're going to go in there, and we're going to win this victory. Yeah, do you see that? Yeah, yeah? All right, drop your trousers. I got a flint knife. It's time to be circumcised. And here's what, here's what the word of the Lord is to some of you today. You have had a great victory in your life recently. You've crossed over the River Jordan. You're staring down Jericho, your next big miracle. But the stench and the residue and the effects of Egypt are still on you today. See, they say this thing that God can take you out of Egypt, but then he's got to take the Egypt out of you. And you're in this place where you've experienced a miracle, but the gift of a miracle is a greater miracle. The gift of consistency is more consistency. The gift of healing is more healing. The gift of freedom is more freedom. And God will take you to this place where you'll stand at Gilgal. And here's the revelation from it. There was shame on these men. And shame told them, you can't possibly ever be a good preacher because your dad was a murderer. Shame will tell them, you can't possibly be a good mother. This is how shame sounds to a, a woman. I've learned that voice of shame through counseling so many women over the years. It says, hey, even the best that you did today was not good enough. And if somebody saw your house in this condition, they would lose all respect for you. If they saw how your kids really acted, they wouldn't respect you anymore. Shame, shame, shame. And this voice of shame is in our ear and it's telling us what we can't do. It's telling us who shame says we are. And see, Joshua knew before we go fight, before we go down to Jericho, we've got to deal with the shame from Egypt because if that thing is still on their life, they're not gonna be able to walk with confidence. We've gotta make a covenant with God, which is a permanent decision that serves as a repeated reminder. Every single day they would have been reminded, I made a covenant with God. I stand with him. I cut some things out of my life. As a matter of fact, when you go to Colossians chapter three, verses five through 10, it talks about, the, it's putting to death it talks about this cutting away. It talks about this removal from your life. It says sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, once walked, once walked. In other words, you used to be in Egypt. Your parents were from Egypt in that era, but now we're coming out to the other side. But now you must put them away. You must circumcise anger, circumcise wrath, circumcise malice, circumcise slander, circumcise obscene talk from your mouth. Do not, let, do not lie to one another. You've got to circumcise that behavior because you cannot have the victory of Jericho until you have the circumcision of Gilgal. Put it to death. 
Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self at Gilgal. You've circumcised it with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, shut up, shame. Shut up, shame. I once was blind, now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. He saved a wretch like me. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? That grace at Gilgal, that grace at Gilgal, where you take the flint knife and you cut away the old life and you say, I'm gonna stay in this place until I'm healed and walk into Jericho. Now, here's the revelation that's waiting for somebody. Joshua was teaching all the men of war who the victory really belonged to the whole time. See, I bet you there was men at war who were all ripped out and had been jacked and been doing push-ups in the wilderness waiting for their time to where they could go into Jericho and pull those walls down with their own ability. And Joshua say, no, no, you don't understand how we fight in Israel. We fight with plus one. It may be a million plus a million soldiers, but we fight with the plus one. And it's the plus one who's gonna give us the victory in any circumstance. And so what they do is they stand on Gilgal looking into Jericho and say, I am going to physically wound myself and get vulnerable. And in my bloodletting and my vulnerability, I'm going to walk down to Jericho and God is going to give me the victory that I could not give myself. You all know this story about Jericho, but do you know, do you know about Gilgal today? Would you stand to your feet? Here's what God showed me for today's service. There's some of you, when I talk about circumcision, there's this cutting away that needs to happen. And I feel like somebody here needs to know that God is going to allow you to leave Gilgal and go into the next season of your life with that thing removed. Now, oftentimes the things that we are, that become habits we hate are just simply the result of shame from Egypt. Can I give you an example? I used to do addictions counseling and you learn the mechanisms and the science behind the chemicals and the catalyst for what they do to your body. And what happens is when you take a drag on a cigarette, it actually, actually causes your heart rate to increase but sends a chemical to your brain that tells you you're being calmed. And a lot of people, a lot of preachers have preached against smoking, but smoking is just a branch off the root. The root is when you're so stressed in your life and you're so full of anxiety that you think if I can just get a cigarette, things will be okay and it becomes a counterfeit for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Sometimes you're in these party situations and everyone's smoking and because you don't know how to live approved by God through Jesus, you try to get the approval of people and you enter into these things in your life that really the root of it is approval. And now it's it, the, the shoot that comes off the root is smoking, but it's approval and you need your true identity and God's gonna cause you to go back and redeem the years of your life. Same thing with drinking. I mean, if you're a high function person, drinking is an instant vacation. You don't have to learn how to rest. You don't have to learn how to Sabbath. You don't have to learn 
how to go to God. But drink is just an instant vacation. That was my vice. But see, that wasn't the root. The root was that there was this new wine called the Holy Spirit. And if you drink of it, it said, I perceive that these are unlearned drunk men by the way that they talk. But it was this new wine that they had tasted. And it was better. And see, what I learned when I did addictions counseling is that you're never supposed to remove. You're supposed to remove and replace. And see, what happened was circumcision wasn't just a removal of shame. It was remove and replace. I'm going to take away, roll back the reproof of Egypt, but then I'm going to give you the victory of Jericho, and you're going to advance into Canaan. And God's not trying to take away your cigarettes. God's not trying to take away your adulterous relationship. He's trying to circumcise your heart so he can replace it with the victory that nobody from your family who came from the previous generation has ever seen before because this church is full of breakers because there's a breakthrough anointing on this house this church is full of the generation who say you're gonna watch me go farther than they've ever went in this family before because I'm the breaker but you gotta stand at Gilgal All right, thanks so much for taking a listen. And you know what? I especially want to thank everyone who's leaving five-star reviews, leaving comments. Y'all are amazing. You know who you are. So do me a favor. Go ahead and leave a review. And if you want to take it a step further because God really did something through this message, please share it with a friend because so many more lives are going to be touched by your obedience to tag somebody and share this with someone who desperately needs it. All right, I'll see you guys next week.